Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the All Things Gymnastics Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Bueller, and I'm here with my co-host and twin sister, Brittany. Hey guys. Today, we are so excited because there was live gymnastics over the weekend, guys. Can you believe it? We never thought this day would come, but here we are, and it feels so good. We also touch on Alicia Ingram's statement about the abuse she suffered at the hands of many of the top coaches in the United States, coaches who are still coaching to this day. And at the end of the show, we have an interview with the superstar of the Denver gymnastics team, Lindsay Brown. We talk about her rise in the sport of gymnastics how she's grown her confidence and her goals for the future. Before we get into this episode, I just wanted to give a little disclaimer. Your girl is really having a bad allergy day today, so if it sounds like I'm not doing too hot, it's because I'm not. I'm not (laughs) sick, I just have really bad allergies today. But the show must go on. We wanted to get this episode up for you guys, so hopefully you can look past my stuffed up, manly sounding voice. (laughs) And enjoy the episode because we do think it's a good one. So we hope you guys enjoy. Real quick, we'd like to give a shout out to our gold level Patreon supporters. Cindy M, Bree C, Blake B, Elaine E, Dominique D, Rydog, Faith M, Caitlin P, Kristen R, Amy C, Lori S, and Sabrina M. In the future, we plan to expand our podcast through creating a website and by providing transcriptions for the interviews that we do, so your monthly donation is very much appreciated and it helps us grow in the long term. To anyone who is not a member of our Patreon but would like to know more about it, there will be a link down below in the show notes where you can get more information on what we'll be using the money for as well as the different tier levels. So there's three tiers, gold, silver, bronze, and they range from $1 a month to $5 a month. So there's more information on our Patreon website, which again is going to be linked in the show notes. And we just want to say a big thank you to everyone who supports us. We love and appreciate you guys more than you know, and we're just so grateful for you. So thank you. All right, so let's start by talking about a little bit of news. I wanted to talk about the statement that Alicia Ingram posted on Twitter. If you're not aware of who she is, she was a former national team member, and then she was also an alternate to the World Championship team in 1995. And long story short, she pretty much trained with every horrible coach that there is in the history of the sport. Yeah, I feel like she really made the rounds. I never realized. I mean, I'm not super familiar with her career or anything like that, but after reading her statement, I realized that she actually trained with a lot of problematic coaches and a lot of coaches that are still around today. So she, at one point in time, trained with Mary Lee Tracy. She trained with Don Peters, Donna Strauss, Rhonda Fain when she went to college, and then also Deanna Parrish and Debbie Kateshuk, if I said that correctly. Debbie Kateshuk, maybe? Looks like Kateshuk. Kateshuk. Okay, well, she, they are actually both still coaching. They were at Cypress at the time, and now they're at AIM Athletics in Texas. So one thing I noticed about her statement was that there's kind of a theme of her getting ignored. And it seemed like no matter what gym she went to, she wasn't getting coached. She was kind of being left on her own. She said that she was sent to a national team camp. I believe this was when she was with Mary Lee Tracy. And she was sent to a national team camp all by herself. Which is crazy. Like, who allowed that, you know? I didn't even think that was allowed. 
but somehow it happened. She said she was often training alone, not having a coach to spot her or, you know, even just be there to make sure that she's okay. There was times when she had to ask other coaches that weren't even her coaches to step in and help her with a spot or something like that. Which I feel like is pretty typical from what we've heard from other gymnasts where, especially when they're like injured, Mm -hmm. that they kind of get pushed to the wayside and it's like you're on your own. Because the coach is angry that they're injured. Right. And one thing in particular with Rhonda Fain, so she started off at the University of Nebraska, got injured her sophomore year, and then she transferred to Florida. And at that time, Rhonda had just become the head coach of Florida, so Rhonda was also at Nebraska, and then they both basically transferred to Florida, even though Alicia said that she didn't know at the time that Rhonda was going to be the head coach. So... Turns out she's more horrible than we thought. We've kind of heard some things here and there from gymnasts about Rhonda. And of course, we know her involvement with the whole Larry Nasser scandal. But it sounds like she was not very nice to Alicia either. Very much ignored her. Kind of seemed like she wanted her to get injured. And she mentioned that Rhonda said she had signed two gymnasts, but there was only two scholarships. So she told Alicia that she wasn't going to get a fifth year. And it kind of seemed like basically she had these two other gymnasts in mind that she wanted to be on the team on scholarship. So she kind of needed to get rid of Alicia and was looking for a reason to get rid of her. So she basically stopped coaching her in the gym, kind of just acted like she wasn't there. And then, yeah, she ended up getting injured and that was the end of her gymnastics career. Another thing with that is Randy Lane He's kind of being called into question a little bit through all this because he was mentioned in Alyssa Beckerman's statement when she needed to have a surgery and he was recommending that she not, even though it was a surgery that she most definitely needed. And he was also mentioned in Alicia's statement. He was the floor coach at the time at Florida and she said that he wasn't spotting her, he wasn't coaching her, and then that's how she ended up tearing her ACL, which ended her career. So... That's a little bit concerning, yeah. as well as all the coaches that were mentioned in this that are still coaching. Well, and I think that's why we have to be so careful when we praise coaches, not really knowing what's going on behind the scenes. We see that a lot, you know, with Miss Val, and we've seen it with Mary Lee Tracy, with Kim Zemesco at Texas Dreams, mm-hmm. where, you know, the athletes look happy, or they seem like they're healthy, and everything seems fine, and we sort of, like, praise these coaches, like, oh, like, they're, they're, you know, some of the only good ones that are left. These are great coaches. And then we end up finding out all these years later that there was stuff that was going on, I think we just had to be really careful about that, especially with someone like Randy Lane. Mm -hmm. He's someone that I think has gotten a lot of praise and that a lot of people like. And that's not to say that he's a terrible person. You know, everybody makes mistakes, but... We do have to just be careful with these coaches because we don't really know them. Mm -hmm. We aren't in their gyms. We don't know what's going on. That's exactly it. And we have to believe the athletes. Because we see what we see out on the competition floor, what we see on TV, but that's a totally different reality than what the gymnasts are actually experiencing. And I think it's a little bit concerning with Randy that... When you look at the coaches that he's worked alongside, you know, he's worked for a very long time at UCLA with Miss Val. He's worked with Rhonda Fain. He's worked at Michigan State with Kathy Clegas. So I'm not trying to dog on Randy, although he has been mentioned recently between Alicia and also Alyssa Beckerman. So kind of keeping my eye on that because, yes, it's possible for people to change, but I also question that sometimes too. Yeah. And I think that, like I said, we have to just 
listen to the athletes. We have to believe them. We have no choice but to believe them. They're the ones who've lived it. They're the ones who have experienced these coaches, these people in a greater capacity than any of us could ever imagine. Mm -hmm. And we really just have no choice but to believe them and to hear their stories and to continue to try and hold all of these coaches accountable. So in more exciting news, we finally, for the very first time in a long time, had some live gymnastics over the past weekend, a little bit towards the end of the week. So unfortunately, it wasn't live for Brittany and I. We were busy with school and work and unfortunately doing adult things, but we were able to catch up with some videos on YouTube and just checking out the results. And there was the Chinese National Championships where Lu Tintin won the all-around. She won with a score of 56. And that was with just a Yurchenko full. So that was pretty impressive. I feel like that's a pretty respectable score that can go up with some, you know, increases in her difficulty, especially vaults. Right. We would love to see that across the board for all the Chinese athletes. The vault score is going up hopefully yeah. more difficult vaults i feel like that's the biggest area where china needs to improve on and i'm sure they have to know that but i feel like that's promising that she was able to put up a 56 with only having a year go full so looks good there in second place there was wei xiao yan and then third went to chi chi and i want to talk about her floor because i feel like she shows a lot of potential she stuck her double double which i thought was amazing she did that in the all-around final and just has a really clean tumbling and she scored a 14.2 which i know it's dumb to compare national scores to international scores but just to get an idea of where she's at, I feel like the 14-2 is not ridiculously overscored, and... It was a very solid routine. Mm-hmm. And when you look at, you know, the event finals from the floor at last year's World Championships, a 14-2 would have put her in second place. And I know, I know, don't yell at me, it's dumb to compare the scores from nationals to worlds, but I just feel like kind of a, that's kind of a range of where she could score. I don't feel like the 14-2 is an outrageous score for her, so I don't think she was being like way overscored. So just an interesting observation. And I feel like even if she scored a couple tenths less, she still would be competitive on floor and, you know, maybe possibly can be in floor finals and fight for a medal going forward. So something to keep our eyes on. I also want to talk about first-year senior Guan Chen Chen. On beam, she has a 7.1 start value, which is actually the highest start value on beam from the whole quad. So that's really exciting. It is. And she scored a 14.05 in the all-around final with a fall. So that just goes to show you what can happen when you have super high difficulty. You can make a mistake and still have a really, really competitive score. Right. That's like some Simone Biles level. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like when you look at that score, like even internationally how she would do, like she's still capable of getting on the medal podium if she were to have a fall with that difficulty. So So basically what you're saying is she's about to be the 2021 Olympic beam champion. Uh, She very well could be. We'll see. (laughs) Uh, Japanese nationals also happened. Mai Mirakami won. No surprise there. She got a 56.6 and I feel like that's definitely a podium worthy score. 
So that's exciting. And also, Asuka Teramoto is back. She competed for the first time since tearing her Achilles. She just did bars, but... It's, it's still really great to see her back out there. Yeah, for sure. So the Ukrainian National Cup also happened over the weekend, and Anastasia Motok got first. I really like her beam. I think that she has a lot of potential. She had some really good connections. I would like to see her have a little bit less of a pause before going into the dismount. She waited for, I would say, a, probably like a solid 15 seconds. I watched <laughs> the video, and I literally, like, I was watching all the people in the background because I thought the video was frozen. I had to make sure that it was actually still moving, and she was actually pausing for that long. And it wasn't just before the dismount. I think throughout the routine, she lacked a little bit of fluidity. Yeah. She had some pauses. So I feel like that's an area she could definitely improve. But she's a first-year senior, a big event for her. I feel like maybe that's something that will come with experience because she definitely does have the potential on beam. Mm -hmm. I think you can just tell she was maybe nervous, doubting herself a little bit. She was really taking her time and making sure that she was going to execute these skills well, which isn't a bad thing. But of course, that's going to be a major deduction, especially when she gets into international competition. So something to improve upon for sure. But to come home with a first place finish, that's pretty cool. Not too shabby. Then in second, we had Yana Fedorova from Ukraine. And then in third place from Lithuania, we had Agata Vastrovaita. I feel like I'm slaughtering her name. <laughs> Vastrovaita. I believe that's right, but you're you're looking at the wrong girl. Yeah. If you're looking at me for help. <laughs> so I was listening to videos of like the past like year or two and how the announcer would pronounce her name. And it looks different than how I would personally pronounce mm -hmm. it, but I think I got it close. I guess if someone out there is listening and they know, feel free to correct us. It's really hard sometimes with these international names. We try to get them correct, but it's it's difficult. <laughs> how did you feel about seeing so many competitions happening. You know, we went months without having any gymnastics, and now we're finally starting to see some competitions happening. I was a little bit surprised just seeing the background of the competition, not seeing an audience. Yeah, it was definitely a little bit weird. And I think it was during Anastasia Motok's beam routine, there was... I think there were, like, different male gymnasts. There was people basically doing gymnastics in the background, mm -hmm. and it was so quiet in the arena that you could hear people landing and it was it was weird it was mm -hmm. definitely different than what we're used to but i also couldn't help but look and see like who were wearing masks <laughs> and stuff like that and i feel like at the japanese nationals and the chinese nationals they were pretty good about wearing masks there were a couple of spectators that i saw that had masks on and it looked like they were doing the whole social distancing thing so that's good i was a little bit like question mark question mark question mark in my brain when i was watching some videos from the ukrainian national cup it seemed like the judges were sitting like normal distance from each other like they were sitting at a table next to each other and no yeah. one was wearing masks so what i did was i immediately went and started looking up the coronavirus statistics in ukraine because i'm like <laughs> what is are, are they like fine like is everything good there and it looked like they're still having some cases like three thousand a day is what i was reading so i'm kind of confused about the situation there in ukraine and why they're not social distancing and not wearing masks <laughs> i'm a little bit confused by that but Hey, I guess. it was still fun to watch gymnastics, <laughs> yeah. and it gives me a little bit of hope for the future. Like maybe we can have gymnastics. I think and it shows. I think it shows that you can have a competition and not have an audience and still make it work. Like there was broadcast. Um, I believe there was like, some commentary on the Ukrainian national cup feed, so it's possible to have a competition and not 
necessarily have an audience or have it be exactly how it was in the past. So it, it, it is leave me a little bit of hope for the future. Yeah, and at this rate, I feel like we'll take what we can get. I also real quickly wanted to give a shout out to Faith Torres from the United States. She is doing a triple back in the tucked position, but... I'm so impressed because it actually looks really good. It looks competable. Like it yeah. looks like something that she's actually training and something that she could actually land. Like this isn't just her throwing this crazy skill for fun just to post on the internet. Like it looks like she's actually training this. There was one video where it looked like she was doing it at a national team camp. So looks like something that she's taking seriously. And I was really impressed with how it looked. It looked like she was doing it in her home gym on an air track on some mats, but her landing position looked really good. So I'm really excited about that and fingers crossed, maybe even, you know, possibly making the world championship team later this year and can get it named after her. I think that would be super exciting. On the men's side, it's named after Valeria Liukin, but there's never been a woman gymnast that has competed the skill before. So I think that would be super, super exciting. I think she should totally go for it. I feel like why not? You know, if she can do it consistently and she's doing it well and it's safe. I feel like you might as well just send it and do it. The biggest thing is just going to be getting it into a routine. Mixing it with the dance and other tumbling passes and having the endurance Mm -hmm. to be able to do it completely around and then also do it well and have it be safe. Obviously, that's going to be the biggest obstacle. But so far, it looks like she definitely has the potential to do it. We also wanted to talk about the docu-series that came out on YouTube called Defying Gravity. We think we're going to save it for another episode just because we do want to get into our interview with Lindsay. So you guys can look forward to hearing some of our thoughts on that in a coming episode, possibly next week. We'll see. It was released in parts. So we've watched parts one through four, and I don't believe the last two parts are out yet because it's a six-part series. So maybe we'll wait until the whole thing is done and then we'll share our thoughts at the end. But I just wanted to get, let you guys know that we do plan on talking about it at some point, just not this episode. All right, so let's move on to our interview with Lindsay Brown. Lindsay is an incoming senior at Denver University. She is the NCAA floor champion. Technically, we can say reigning NCAA floor champion because we didn't have nationals last year. So she won nationals on floor in 2019. She's only the second gymnast in Denver history to win a national title. She also holds a share of the program record all-around score and is looking to help lead Denver to another record-breaking season. Lindsay also has planned to compete internationally and hopes to represent Haiti at the Olympics in 2024. Please welcome to the show, Lindsay Brown. So why don't you start by telling us how you got started in gymnastics? Um, it was kind of a mishappenstance, actually. Um, when I was really young, I remember watching 2003 World Championships, and I just told my mom, I was like, I want to do that. And she's like, ha, you're funny. Um, so then... I don't really know how, but we got a flyer for a free gymnastics trial. So she's like, I guess we can go for free and then we'll cancel after that. Um, But they just noticed that I was picking things up a little bit more quickly than the other kids. So they just kind of moved me along pretty quick. Um, And the rest was history. (laughs) So I know you trained at Gage. Have you trained at Gage your whole life or did you train at another gym at some point? Yeah, I've been at Gage since day one. Okay. And so that gym has produced a lot of really talented athletes. I mean, like Olympians, world champions. Was there anyone from your gym that you looked up to growing up? 
Mm, that's hard. There's literally so many. Yeah. Um, but I think I was closest with Brenna Dowell, Maddie Desch, and Sarah Finnegan, um, and Sabrina Vega. They were like my age, so or like just above. So I always had somebody to look forward to getting to that point or somebody to push me really hard. Um, They're all just super talented and it just made me want to work harder because I knew like where they were going. Yeah. So was a Lee ever something that was on your mind because you went to that gym and everybody kind of, you know, is a high level athlete or they go with Lee at some point. Was that something that you ever wanted to do or was your goal just college gymnastics? I think like every kid, my dream was the Olympics from the beginning. Um, I did try to go elite. Um, I went to one qualifier, didn't go super great. Um, and then after that, I got injured. So then I was like, you know, I might as well just take time to get healthy and come back and do level 10. And after I got injured, I don't know what happened, but I got really good and I understood the sport. And I think that's where I grew a lot. Yeah. And I know I read an article that you had written, actually, or it was like a letter. Um, I forget where it was posted, but you said that you're a first-generation college student in your family. So was it difficult for you to make that move when college wasn't really the norm in your family? Um, I'd say I'm a really excitable person, and I look forward to change, and so I was just so ready for something new. Um, I feel like I'm very independent. So moving away wasn't really scary, although it was sad. Yeah, I just jumped at a new opportunity. I don't know if I mentioned it in the article, but academics wasn't my first thought. I just didn't think about that. I just knew I'd be doing gymnastics and I'd be able to go see a new place. So yeah. that was the most exciting piece to me. So what led you to choose Denver? Um, yeah, that's also another interesting story, I guess, especially when I was younger, I wasn't very confident. So I visited one school and I didn't really like it. Um, and then I decided, you know, college gymnastics isn't for me. If that's what's going to be like, no, thank you. Um, so I came home and just sat and trained. And then um, Lena Skaveka kept calling and calling and calling. And finally, my coaches were like, you need to take this call. Like they keep calling during practice. That's not okay. I was like, okay. Um, so I came and visited and they just gave me a chance. And yeah, I just really liked how much they believed in me because that wasn't something that I was super used to coming from a gym with champions that mm-hmm. being a level 10 wasn't most the most praised thing in the gym. So it was really nice to see somebody telling me that I was good. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. I don't believe it yet. But yeah. Now I do. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. Well, and now you're like a superstar at Denver. You're totally killing Thank it. You. You're a national floor champion. Yeah, you're welcome. You've gotten a 10. You have the program record for the all-around score, I believe. So you're totally killing it at Denver. So coming into college, did you ever expect that you would have that kind of success? <laughs> Not really. Um, I mean, I kind of just felt like I was here. I knew I was coming in with a super strong class. Um, I had seen their gymnastics on Instagram and I was honestly intimidated. Um, And it was just a whole new setting. And I'm a person that strongly believes in being humble. And even though I didn't think that I was gonna be a top kid, I knew that I could at least help everyone. Mm -hmm. But I think it's exceeded my expectations. 
Yeah. So going into your senior year, how has your confidence grown? Like what kind of things have helped build up your confidence now that you're at Denver and you're doing so well? Um, I don't know. I think I always deep down knew that I was great. And I personally believe that in order to think you're great, you have to have that seed to manifest from. I think everyone has it just whether somebody's willing to believe it. Yeah. Um, I think with my injury, I think I definitely lost some confidence. I know I can still do it, but I was telling my coach the other day, getting back into doing death defying things every day when that wasn't my norm for a few months is kind of a challenge to jump over, but I'm excited to work through it. And they're providing me with so many resources to help me get over that hump. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about the moment where you won the floor title back in 2019 what was going through your mind in that moment when you found out that you had won? Because you're only the second gymnast in Denver's history to win the floor title. So take us back to that moment and tell us what you were like thinking and feeling in that moment. Yeah, it was, I don't know. I didn't really feel like I did anything out of the norm, which I think that is what, or we read John Wooden's book, um, Wooden on Leadership, and his definition of success is that Actually, I don't entirely remember verbatim what it was, but um, it's just you can't compare your success to what everyone else's look like. Looks like. Um, so then, me just doing what I had been doing was perfect for me, and that I happened to win was kind of fun. Um, I won with Brenna Dowell, who's my best friend from club, so that was super exciting to stand on the podium with her. Um, Nina McGee was also there, and she just—I've always looked up to her. She actually showed me around the university my first visit. Oh. And yeah, her being in Texas and just being a role model. She did my hair that day. She just is amazing. And everyone likes to compare us and that I'm following in her footsteps. And I'm honored to be even considered <laughs> anywhere near her. That's so cool. <laughs> Um, so Denver as a team has also been on the rise the last few years. In 2019, you guys were fourth in the Super Six, and that was your first Super Six appearance, which is crazy. So how do you guys as a team view yourself? Do you feel like you're the underdogs, or do you feel like you're up there with some of the best teams? I think with our ability, we 100% think we're up there with the best teams. I think we're still slightly underdog status based on everyone else's definition if that makes sense yeah um i think we just we're just very aware of that everyone else's mindset is just something that'll help us rise even higher that we want to not prove everyone wrong but show that we're here and we're going to do our best and we're going to be a contender mm -hmm. yeah has the team talked about goals for this season yet i mean obviously everything's kind of unknown with the coronavirus and we're like, are we even going to have a season? No one really knows, but fingers crossed. If there is a season, have you guys kind of identified some goals as a team? Yeah, I think with all the uncertainty, we reevaluated re all of our goals. And I think the main one for right now is to be the best women's collegiate team in the country. And that's not just athletics that incorporates academics, integrity, your character, how you treat people walking down the street, how you treat um, the staff in the airport, just an all around sense of being good people as the foundation of our program. And I'm just super happy that I've been able to be a part of people that care about that side because that's not always the most important thing when you're a top or legacy or top program. 
when did you guys start your official practice? Um, I'm not really sure when official practice, I think it was the 17th. Okay. For everyone. Okay. Yeah. So it's been super fun. Yeah. So how is it going? Because I know some schools, I believe Denver's one that I've seen where they have to wear like the masks. Do you wear them like when you're doing gymnastics or do you take them off in between? Like, how does that work? Yeah. It's kind of going back and forth. Our, I don't know exactly what his title is, our like director over athletics and we're fortunate that gymnastics trainer is the head of sports medicine. So we get the first updates, um, but it's going back and forth with the city of Denver and the university to adjust policies week by week based on how many cases there are. Okay. Um, so la- or earlier this week, it was where it most of the day. And if you're like taking a turn on bars, you can pull it down. But then we got word from the city of Denver that since there's a spike of cases in the state, that they're going to increase like restrictions. So now we're wearing it 100% of the time. Oh, okay. Yeah, I always wondered how that goes. Like I've seen, I think it was Helen Who from Missouri doing a bar routine with a mask. And I'm like, how? Like, how do you do that? (laughs) I can't even like walk through a store without it falling down. (laughs) Yeah, she's amazing. And I went home for a little bit and Missouri rules are very different than Colorado. So that's just another thing that's making everything so difficult with from school to school and mm-hmm. I don't know we're just trying to do our best for our area and I think we're doing a pretty good job from my opinion but yeah so how is the team dealing with the uncertainty of like not knowing if you guys are going to have a season like how do you guys go into the gym every day and like what is your mindset you know when you're training and you don't necessarily know what you're training for if there's going to be a season how are you guys handling that I uh, yeah I think again just reevaluating our goals and I think everyone's committed to regardless of what happens we never want to be caught in a situation where we're not prepared mm-hmm. so that's the the root of it um if we get to season starting and they decide we're not going to have it it's easier to kind of come down from being in perfect not perfect shape but really good shape versus getting to season and it's happening and we didn't prepare for it and that's something that no one wants to happen because we know how great this year could be so everyone's just super motivated to see the potential whether it happens this year or not and I don't know I'm committed to depending on what happens if they give people another year like there's so much talent I'd be willing to stay and help the team with whatever happens next year or the following year yeah well, that's exciting. Well, because Denver is, like like she said, you guys are like a team on the rise, and you have a lot of really good girls on the team. So I feel like not just nationally, but even in, like, the Big 12, you guys are, like, contenders. You're right up there with Oklahoma, even for, like, the Big 12 title. So, I mean, if you want to stick around, I don't think anyone's going to play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love – I'm so excited that we joined Big 12. I mean, I know I wasn't here when we did any other conference, but – Big 12 is so welcoming and even Iowa State and West Virginia are the nicest kids I've ever met. They like are cheering us on and come up and I guess now we can't give each other hugs, but yeah, just yeah. the nicest teams I've, okay, not, everyone's pretty nice, but for our conference, like mm-hmm. it's just a great conference to be in. Yeah. Well, I feel like those are the people that you probably see more throughout the season, regular season, and then at the Big 12 championship. So it kind of makes sense that you would you know, develop more of a relationship with the people in your conference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how are you doing? I know you had an injury, an Achilles injury last season. How are things going for you in the gym? Are you back to full strength yet? Where are you at in your training? 
Um, slowly getting back. Um, it's my first injury, so my expectations of how quickly I'd get back are very different than um, reality. Building strength is a lot harder than I thought I would, it would be. Um, Emily Glenn, my class, also tore her Achilles, so it's been amazing to have somebody who's went through it already. And like, when I'm stressed about, I think I should be here and I'm not, she's like, don't worry, like, you're doing just fine. Like, I've been through it. Mm-hmm. And she just is really good about calming me down. She's a very peaceful person to be around. <laughs> so you recently mentioned that you are wanting to train for the 2024 Olympics. Can you talk a little bit about what, you know, led to that decision? I'm excited personally. Yeah. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's just something that I, again, as a kid, like I was that kid that would write on your notebook, like English notebook, instead of writing English, it'd be like 2016 Olympics. And Mm -hmm. I never made it there and just watching or being in region four where there's a lot Mm -hmm. of young talent that came up and made it to the elite level was very motivating at the same time demotivating um the ones that come to mind was like Nora Flatley and Lexi Rambler and they did so well in elite and I always wanted to do it but seeing the sheer talent that was at my gym I was always comparing myself Mm-hmm. and not thinking that I could ever be that great. But since coming to college, I don't really know exactly why, but everything's just clicked. Like my form has gotten better. My technique has gotten better. Just everything has improved. And especially since I was injured my freshman year too for about four or five meets. So that takes a whole year off of eligibility for the most, not eligibility, but competing. So it's like, I want to just try, um, yeah, I don't know. What is your connection to Haiti for the people who don't know? Um, so my father was born in Haiti and I have siblings that were also born there and they moved to the States. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm currently not super close with them, but I'm working on that. It's a personal struggle that I have to get through. And I think it's important to recognize where everyone can grow um, yeah. and being open and honest about that forces me to actually do it. <laughs> So if you do come back and go for the elite world, have you contemplated maybe trying for the U.S. team? Or are you like dead set on wanting to represent Haiti? Because I feel like you're good enough. Like, don't underestimate yourself. I feel like you're good Thank enough you. to make the U.S. team. So don't tell yourself you're not. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I really, really did think hard about it. And I was like, the talent pool for the U.S. is outstanding Mm. like incredibly amazing especially growing up um when I was leaving for college I was watching Leanne and Kara Aaliyah Alexis and Jeffrey get really good and I was like oh wow that's crazy um but I think it wasn't necessarily demotivating that I didn't think that the U.S. would be the most fitting for me especially trying to go to camps every month and doing the strength testing. Like personally, I'm not a gymnast that was great at exercises, but I was still strong mm-hmm. and I don't personally see value and the strength testing determining how you do the rest of the camps. But I, I really want to do Haiti because I'm trying to get close to my other, the other side of me that I have never really explored. And I've connected with people via social media about would you be able to help me figure out citizenship and the things that I have to do to set up 
all the things I haven't even figured them all out and it's a little bit overwhelming but I say it um, sounds like it'd be complicated <laughs> but it'd be, yeah. I mean it's possible there's a lot of gymnasts that get citizenship for other countries and represent other countries so I think it's cool yeah. that you're doing that yeah um have you thought about like where you want to train like would you be going back to gauge or um not entirely um my personal motivation is to go somewhere where I can develop my career mm which I'm not really sure what that is. Um, and then once I get there and I can train and find a place to go based on that. Um, but I've been talking to Sadika from UCLA a few years back mm -hmm. and she's doing amazing with stunt doubling and she's trying to mentor me and help me get into some fun entertainment things like that. Oh, so, well, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah. So obviously right now it's kind of far out, but have you put any thought into what kind of skills you'd like to add to your routines if you go elite? Yeah, I am most excited for beam, which is crazy. If ask anyone from my past, beam was my worst event. I hated doing beam, but now I just love beam. I don't really know why, mm -hmm. but definitely some fun things that I, I tried in club, but I never fully got. And I, could have gotten them, but I didn't exactly try hard enough or I didn't have the right technique to do it or the tools or the right coaching to help me get it a different way than the norm. Do you have like a dream skill that you want to compete? Like if you could compete any skill, what would it be? Oof. I've been thinking so much about the, the um, pack post right into another Shapash is so oh. cool to me. Yeah. I don't really know how they do it. I have no clue. I don't know if it's difficult on wide, but. Yeah. So you just want to be able to get that connection is what you're saying? Okay. Yes. Nice. I feel like you could do it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so what's the best piece of advice that, you know, throughout your gymnastics career, like what's the best piece of advice that you've been given? Ooh. I know that's a tough question. I'm making you yeah. really like think back on your life. <laughs> it, well, it's tough on the spot too. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I was watching something and it was like Beyonce saying, you can't wear a crown with your head down. And it's just kind of all encompassing of self-love and you can't do, um, I think you can do a lot for other people, but at the end of the day, you're only gonna go the furthest you wanna go if believing in yourself and supporting yourself and being the most confident you can be. Okay. I love that. I love that quote. I've never heard it before. <laughs> I, I gotta remember, it was like on Disney Plus, Beyonce has like a, a movie or something okay. that I was watching. I wrote it on my whiteboard. <laughs> well, I love it. <laughs> So when you look back on your journey so far, obviously you're not done, but you know, you mentioned you kind of started out as a kid with not a lot of confidence and now you're one of the best college gymnasts in the nation and probably going to go on and do amazing things in elite as well. So when you look back at everything you've been through, what advice would you give to young gymnasts out there that, you know, might be in a similar situation to what you were, you know, back when you were younger and didn't have confidence and, you know, now here you are doing amazing things. What advice would you give to young kids? Mm, don't let your situation determine your mood. I think that was something that I really struggled with. I'm oh, sorry, I didn't ask if you would like any explanation with that, but. <laughs> oh, no, please oh, go ahead. Yeah, go okay. for it. <laughs> <laughs> I think growing up, there's a lot of situations at home and that I was dealing with personally that 
largely influenced my attitude towards school, gymnastics, friends, and now in college, training myself to unbreak those habits is very hard, but I just didn't realize for so long that you can be happy and not be guilty or feel guilty about it. Thank you to Lindsay for taking the time to talk with us this week. You're such an amazing gymnast and we can't wait to see not only what you accomplished in your final season with Denver, but also what you do in your personal career as you work towards the Olympics 2024. Next week, we have another exciting interview planned, but we haven't announced who it is just yet. Our silver and gold level Patreon supporters can look for that announcement early this week over on our Patreon page, and you'll also have the opportunity to ask questions over there as well. So stay tuned for that, and we hope that you all have a lovely week, and we will talk to you next Monday. Bye! Bye.